This month of the How's All That Working For Ya podcast is sponsored by J. Brooks Coffee Roasters in Memphis, Tennessee. As we celebrate the fathers and father figures in our lives this month, I'd like to celebrate my dad by sharing one of his favorite blends from J. Brooks Coffee. Gallant is a dark roast single origin Guatemala bean from Acatenango. It has a robust and deep body bursting with chocolatey notes of cocoa. Gallant derives its name from the rider on the white horse described in Revelation 6, verse 2, our champion, Jesus Christ. He exemplifies the qualities of strength, power, boldness, and faithfulness. The blend of boldness and cocoa in Gallant reminds us of the balance of a man of God, bold and fearless, gentle and sweet. To order this signature blend for yourself and learn more about J. Brooks Coffee, click the link in the show notes or visit jbrookscoffeeroasters.com. That's the letter J, brookscoffeeroasters.com. You are officially invited to create some breathing room. This is the absolute best podcast to find the strategies, resources, and motivation you need to stop drowning in overwhelm, break free from hustle culture, and live out your God-given purpose. I'm your host, Rachel Baker, and girl, I've been there, done that. It is my God-given purpose to help you find space for an intentional life so you can confidently live in those strengths, skills, and passions that light you up and serve others. I know you are ready to create some breathing room, so let's do it together. Welcome to episode 26 of Create Some Breathing Room. I am excited to continue our conversation for this month on identity. And today we are blessed because we have author Jen Schultz in the house. I cannot wait for you to hear this conversation that we had. Um, If you do not know Jen, you're going to love her. Let me tell you a little bit about her, and then we will get right into our interview. So Jen Schultz is the author of She's Not Your Enemy, and she typically writes about messy faith and shaking off insecurity and pursuing God's purpose confidently. You know we're all about that here, right? (laughs) Her mission is to empower women to ditch shame and striving by finding identity in God and freedom in abundant grace. She's a wife, and she's a mom, and she says she reads too many books at once, but I need to know if that's a thing. Is that a possible thing? Because maybe me too, Jen. (laughs) Uh, She drinks decaf coffee, which I'm here for, and she speaks in scriptures and movie quotes, a lovely combination. You can find her at Jen Schultz Author on social media and at her website, jenschultzauthor.com. I cannot wait for you to hear this. We have an amazing conversation about who we are in God, that identity, and the struggle that we have with comparison, competition, not feeling like we're enough. And we're going to get into the nitty gritty of that. We're going to talk about Jen's book, which released September 5th of this year, 2023. You're going to want it. You're going to need it. So settle in with your favorite beverage and let's hear from Jen. Hello, Jen. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. I am very excited for this conversation that we are about to have because 
I saw this book coming. I saw the title. I saw what it was about. And I thought, oh my, that is exactly what my people need. (laughs) That is exactly the thing we talk about in this community of, you know, being confident in who you are. And so I'm very excited for all that we're going to get into today. Uh, Before we dive really deep, I have to pull myself back a little. Would you please, I kind of introduced you a little, but let uh, everybody know who is Jen? Well, I am Jen. (laughs) (laughs) I am a wife and a mom and a writer, book lover and word lover in general, reader and writer. I live in the Pacific Northwest, but I am originally from the East Coast, and that was where I spent most of my life. So I'm still kind of figuring myself out here. Yeah, uh, that's quite an totally adjustment. Different culture. Yeah. Oh my gosh, totally different culture, like across the country. Um, but you get used to it. It's beautiful here. I would love to know, and I ask every guest this, I would love to know for you, what does breathing room look like or what does that feel like for you? So hard to say what it looks like because I am not a very intentional person by nature. (laughs) I am not very good at scheduling and planning and making sure that I have that breathing room in my life, but I know the difference when I'm getting it and when I'm not getting it. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I'm getting it, I, I feel like I am that much more easily able to connect with God. I am that much more easily able, even if everything is chaos around me, I can stop and still feel centered and be centered Mm -hmm. Uh, versus when I'm letting the chaos get to me. And when I am feeling particularly impatient or entitled (laughs) when I'm trying to make everything happen for myself and I'm spinning all the plates. Mm -hmm. Um, That is, uh, yeah, that is, that is when I'm lacking breathing room and I need to get intentional and make that happen. So I don't know if that answers your question well enough, but that's, I know what it feels like (laughs) when I'm centered and when I'm not, when I'm breathing space and when I'm not. Yeah. That's so important to identify, I think, because a lot of times it, it sounds, you know, kind of like this ethereal up in the air concept, like, yes, I should create some breathing room, but to know what that feels like for you to say, I can tell I'm not getting it right now. I feel impatient. I feel overwhelmed. I feel crazy. You know, kids are asking for a snack. Are you just had a snack? Like, like, right, exactly. right. The, like, it turns into a volcano. Raging monster <laughs> comes out, right? <laughs> so true. Yes. So I think it is really important. That just means, you know, you're still on that journey to finding the ways to create that intentional space and breathing room, but you know what it feels like when you get there. Oh yeah. And it's night and day difference for sure. <laughs> yes, for sure. All right. Well, I really want to get into this book. You guys, this book is amazing. Um, we're talking about identity this month, and there's a lot of different aspects to that. Um, we are starting in with kind of just basic Enneagram. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about what it looks like to feel confident and what it feels, you know, when you're not so confident in your identity. Mm-hmm. And that's a little mm-hmm. bit of what I am finding in reading. So the book is She's Not Your Enemy which I love. And it's a lot about, well, you can tell us a lot about it. I'll let you get into it. I would love to know 
what could we benefit from as we are wrestling with this concept, right? Like as we're going through this idea of comparison and competition and insecurity, there's a lot of that in here. So I'd love to know what led you to writing this book. I know there's personal story behind it. And then the benefit of knowing that that's an aspect of our lives that we need to address. Is that a lot? That was a loaded question, Jen. (laughs) There's a lot and I could go on and on, trust me. (laughs) So I have always, I think, struggled with comparison, uh, insecurity, just looking at the people around me and just trying to figure out where I rank in terms of the people around me. Am I doing better than her? Am I doing worse than her? Mm. Uh, And what does that mean about me? What does that say about me? And so I feel like I've, I've been set up very well to write this book. Um, Not that I have overcome it by any means, but that I have uh, just had to tackle it again and again and again. (laughs) I've had a lot of practice. So there you go. It's not, not that I'm, I'm, over it and cured, but I've had a lot of practice on it. And so I'm really excited to be able to share that with people. I, uh, several years back, I've been writing for a long time, but not even several, probably three or four years ago, I wrote a post and used that term. She's not your enemy. And it just got so much response Mm. to it, uh, because I think it, it resonates. Like we just, we naturally compare to people, which is a whole topic in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do it so often and we see it everywhere. We see it on our phones and we start comparing. We see people on our phones and start comparing. We see people at the grocery store. We see people at, at school, mm-hmm. um, at, at our church. kids' schools, you know, at church, at church. It's everywhere. And so I think it started resonating with people. And around that time, I was considering... Um, I'm, I'm, I was, I was actually watching a show. I was watching a TV show. And I remember um, in the first episode, just writing off the characters like, oh, she's annoying. Oh, she's such a go getter. She's like one of those untouchable people. I couldn't relate to her at all. He's so like cranky and just rude all the like, what is the deal? And I just wrote off all these characters. And I kind of stuck with the story. And what happened was they started uh, revealing the vulnerabilities of these characters Mm. and they just became so much more human and so much more real to me. And alongside that, I started thinking, well, that's, that's how it is with people, right? Like we present one way or Mm -hmm. we assume people are this one way, but the more we get to know them, the more we let them be vulnerable, they surprise us. Yeah. And I was thinking about that in terms of comparison and how, you know, I, I just make these snap judgments about people and how well they're doing based on what they're presenting to the world. But I don't know what's going on underneath. I know there's a lot going on underneath for me. What if I, I changed my perspective? So I started looking at people and saying, there's probably a lot more there than I know. What if they're not the enemy? What if they're not the person that's out to get me or make me feel bad about myself? And so that's kind of where this whole concept came from. And then the more I dug into it, um, into comparison, because I thought, okay, this is going to be a book about comparison, right? Like, you know, how do we fix it? Uh The more I dug into it, I realized it wasn't a comparison issue. It was so much more an identity issue. It was so much more about how I saw God, how I thought he saw me, and the questions that I was asking about myself that I was going to other people to answer. So like, Am I loved? Am I valuable? Do I have a place in this world? Do I have a purpose in this world? 
And I would look at other people and I would say, well, obviously not. Cause look how great she's doing. Like if I, if I really had a purpose, I'd be out there doing what she does. Or if I, um, if I was really a good mom, like I would be doing what this mom does. Oh gosh, That's a whole other conversation. That's a whole gosh. We are like, moms are the hardest on themselves, but we're also the hardest on other moms. And I just don't, it's just a crazy conundrum. But anyway, that's a whole different topic. But yeah, I I realized I was asking these questions and I'm looking at other people to get the answers. I wasn't going to God for them. Mm. And so um, this book that started being about comparison really became about identity and about um, dealing with our false perspectives of God and who he is so that we could change the way that he, um, we, we saw how he saw us and how we identified ourselves and be rooted and established in that and how that affects all of our relationships. It affects the way we look at other people and it affects how we are able to work alongside them. Uh, because it is such, I mean, there it's the title is she is not your enemy, but there is an enemy and it is such one of his tactics to divide us and make us feel isolated, make us feel insecure and alone so that he can take us out. And so that's really what the book became about in in a nutshell. Like, listen yeah. to me, I could go on and on. <laughs> listen, well, and there is so much good content in here as you dive into all those different aspects of it. But I love how you went in thinking it was going to be one thing. You have this message. This is what resonates. And as you're getting ready and as you're writing and as you're studying, you have that self-awareness, that realization. Like, I love that God works in those ways. I love that he speaks to us and gives us the information as we need it, as we're ready to receive it. And then what a beautiful message to share with like, you guys, guess what I found? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) How amazing is this? It's like you said, it's not like I'm the expert. I've got this sorted. It's like, you have to tell everybody, like, you will not believe what I figured out. Like, can we all be free together, please? Like, yes. can we all be freed up to do what we're called to do and cheer each other on? Like, that is such my goal with this yes. book. Um, can we find the freedom? Mm-hmm. Can we find the grace? Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, we're going to have to keep talking some more about, cause that's same, same. I just want everybody to just lift each other up, feel confident in who you are as God created you to be. So exactly. mm, I'm yeah. here for that conversation. Woo! Okay. Ooh, we're having hallelujah. Thank you, spirit. I I know, we're having a moment. (laughs) God moments, for sure. (laughs) Um, Okay, so another question I have as I was going through some of this, um, I'd love to know your thoughts on how you think this struggle that we have with comparison, with confidence in our own identity as God created us, right? How does that get in the way of how we do create breathing room for ourselves or allow ourselves to have breathing room in our lives. Does that make sense? Like I see such a conflict where when you're so torn up and stuck in this comparison and I've got to be as good as her, or I've got to make myself better, work harder, do more. Like we are anti all those anti hustle culture here. We don't like any of it, but I feel that hustle culture really feeds into this because a lot of the times we're hustling because there's this bar that someone else has set, right? Mm, We've got to get to this point. We've got to be like them, right? Yeah. And so um, I just know you do, you talk a lot about these insecurities or the perfectionism, right? The lack of boundaries. Like what all do you see 
within that that keeps us from creating that breathing room for ourselves? Mm, that's a good question. I think um, something that I found setting this all out is how much we live in fear of scarcity culture mm-hmm. or scare- scarcity, basically. We are so worried that there's not enough to go around. Like if she gets this blessing, there's not going to be any leftover for me. Oh, yeah. And it's all in how we view God. It's, I mean, there's a part of the book right at the very beginning that I talk about why perspective of God matters so much. And um, I talk about, uh, you know, that that parable about the the master that goes away and leaves his servants with talents of gold. And two of them are like, you know, I worked really hard and I made more money for you. Like, here it is. And the master's like, yes, come celebrate with me. This is awesome. But then there's a third guy who's like, you don't do the work. Like, you're just reaping what somebody else has, has already sown and put the work into. I was afraid. And so I hid it. And, you know, here's here's what you got. And um, it's all like these three servants are serving the same master, right? It all has to be in their perspective. The two saw this master as loving, good, generous, um, providing these talents for them to be able to do more abundant. You know, they didn't see it as a job. They saw it as, oh, here's this great chance, this great opportunity to please this master who's been so good to me. Mm-hmm. Cause like what master invites his servants to come celebrate with him? Like why, like, why would he, right. why would you do that? Right. Um, but then the, the third servant must have seen his master completely differently. He must have looked at him and said, you know, I just I just see all the all the ways that you put pressure on me. I see all the ways that you uh, make me feel bad about myself. Mm-hmm. I see all the ways that like I'm never good enough for you. So I'm not going to do anything for you. And I, it's very similar in how we look at God. If we mm-hmm. see him as stingy, if we see him as holding back on us, holding out on us, um, why would we be motivated to serve him? We're going to be out for ourselves. We're going to be looking out for number one, yes. as society likes to say. Right. And, and it's, that's the scarcity talking. That's this fear of like, I'm not getting what I'm due. I'm not getting what I've worked hard for. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not getting what these other people are getting. Um, it's just the wrong perspective of God. So I think it really starts there being yeah. able to see that God is a God of abundance, that he is working for our good mm-hmm. and that um, he has a plan and a purpose for us. And all of that we go through in the book, but it changes your perspective completely. And yes. it gives you space to have breathing room, right? Like instead of like, I've got to strive and hustle and I'm running on this hamster wheel that never gets yes. me anywhere. It's like, no, God is, is going to bless me abundantly. I just need to obey. Mm-hmm. Um, I know who God is. I know who he says I am. And I'm not going to be um, lost in this fear that he's going to hold out on me. Mm-hmm. So I love, I hope that, that answered your question. Yeah, it did. I love that <laughs> perspective. I love because it is more about your, your mindset, your a perspective shift and how you see that relationship and who you are, your identity in him. And that's actually like, the perfect segue. I I have this section. It's from I think it's chapter two in your book. And I, if like if it's okay, I'm gonna read just a little Please, quote go from for there. It. Okay. <laughs> so it's all this that you were talking about. Um, 
about like, does God play favorites? Does he, you know, there's only so much and I can't have it. And so in this section, uh, you said rich theology means a faith and hope that might shake you up a bit. If God is working all things for our good, then we might not even recognize the good in what is right in front of us. You might have to trust that what is good for her is not necessarily what is good for you. It doesn't mean God's rejection, despite what it might feel like. And I loved that section because, well, multiple reasons, but one is all that you just said with that idea of perspective. Um, Also, that verse from the Bible makes me a little bit crazy when people talk about, you know, God will work everything for your good as if like everything's Mm going to go well. That wealth and prosperity gospel that's not anywhere in the Bible, that makes me crazy. So it's for my good, right? Mm -hmm. For those who love him, are called according to his purpose, he's working for my good. And so those things that someone else is doing really well and it looks amazing, that may be toxic for me. That may not be what my spirit needs at all in my life. And then also, I just had a conversation with somebody the other day about blessings and how when we talk about blessings, we've imagined that as like this, oh, you know, like angelic, wonderful, it feels good and it looks mm-hmm. good and you're like hashtag blessed, right? Right. <laughs> and so in real life, though, I can look back on my 40 years and see some of the hardest stuff I have come through in that time, there was no feeling of hashtag mm-hmm. blessed in any yeah, of it. Right? But now where I am, the things I've learned, the things I'm able to share and contribute with others, mm-hmm. that is such a blessing. That was That is for my good. He works good through all things, right? So mm-hmm. just in that like paragraph, that all just kind of jumped out at me. So I wanted to make sure <laughs> I mentioned that one. Oh, um, thank you. Because that's just, it's such a good reminder and perspective to have that he is working mm-hmm. for your good. You just might not see it as that yet. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about the uh, the Psalm that says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Mm-hmm. Psalm or proverb. This is me blanking because I'm, I'm, recording this interview and that's that's what happens but that's um, okay it's in the old testament it, you guys psalms are it's in the old testament go find it <laughs> but it it says that yeah if we delight ourselves in the lord he gives us the desires of our hearts and you can take that to mean if i'm really good for god he's going to give me what i want mm-hmm. i don't think it's saying that i think it's saying that if you really find delight in god he's going to shape your desires to what is good for you and that's what he's going to work out for you in yes. your life. Um, not only for you, but for the people around you. Right. It's your heart and your will aligning with his. Exactly. Even I think of Jesus in the garden. You know, he's like, this really is awful and I don't like it. Could you please take this from me? Knowing what's coming, knowing right. the sacrifice that's coming. He's like, this is horrible. Please take it. But also your will be done. Mm-hmm. and. That over the years has been such a comfort to me to know that even the mm-hmm. son of God was like, mm-hmm. holy father, this is awful and I don't right. want it, please. Right. Also, though, I'm here for your will, whatever that looks like. 
Right. And he could see, I love the scripture that says for the joy set before him, like God was able to help him, help him see past what was going to about to happen, which was horrific, Mm -hmm. but he could see the joy that was going to be ahead of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love, Ooh, girl, we get in deep theology today. Oof. Let's do it. I mean, you say rich (laughs) theology. It's a faith and hope that might shake you up a bit. It's right there in the book. Mm, Look at that. Right. (laughs) You know, it's funny. Like I hear quotes from the book and I'm like, did I write that? Does that mean? (laughs) Amen. That's awesome. That sounds pretty good. Who came up with? Oh, that was mine. Okay. Exactly. That's how you know it's the Holy Spirit behind it. Because I just, I hear stuff and I don't even recognize it, honestly, sometimes. I'm like, praise God. Like he's getting that word out. It's not mine. So yeah. Hopefully that's what's going to help people, not me and all of my amazing expertise, which I don't have. (laughs) I love that. That's what it looks like when you are walking in obedience. When you are just taking the steps saying, I don't even know what's happening right now, but you've got it. And what a brave thing to do. So thank you for doing it because so I know so many will be blessed by this. Hey, it's Rachel, your go-to encourager and coach. I know you love our podcast talks, but imagine taking that connection to the next level in person. I'm more than a clarity coach. I'm someone who's been in the trenches juggling all the things. I get it. I've danced with chaos, overloaded schedules, and the struggle to prioritize self-care. But I found the rhythm. And I've got the strategies to help your ladies create some breathing room. So if you're organizing an event, whether it's a conference, church gathering, or retreat, and you want a speaker who brings humor, real talk, and a dose of inspiration, I'm your girl. Let's chat about making your event a memorable one. Visit racheldbaker.com slash speaking. That's racheldbaker.com slash speaking. I can't wait to connect. Um, okay, we could clearly talk about this all day long. So I'm gonna yeah. wrap it up with a couple questions. Okay. Um, I know you've said like the creating of the breathing room is mm-hmm. still a struggle, but are there any specific tools that you have or strategies that you know that have really helped you manage your time better so that you can create some breathing room? I'm always I like to hear from others and what works for them in their brains. So do you have anything like that, that you're like, this is super helpful? Gosh, I feel like it's, it sounds very counterintuitive, but getting time that is just quiet and still. And I feel like that, I mean, it's, it's very biblical, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's in the Bible again and again, um, be still and know that I am God. Um, I, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Yes. But do I take that time or do I seize whatever time I have to do all the things so that I can get accomplished or get ahead? Um, because I, I want to be in control and I want to, I want to control my outcome and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I know when things start to get too busy, too chaotic, too loud, um, I need to stop and get, get some quiet time, like very quiet, like. I'm taking a walk without headphones in. I'm not listening to a podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm not not that I have anything against podcasts. But I'm yeah, like, no, I get you, it. You need the quiet and the um, the lack of of noise, the lack of scrolling through your phone or searching mm-hmm. for something. Um, 
obviously like it's hard to get when you have kids at home, but getting that time away and doing whatever you can to, to preserve that time. If it means getting up early, um, that is one thing that helps me tremendously. And I always find that I'm so much more creative and so much more ready to go after I've had that time. Um, which is counterintuitive, right? Like you think like, oh, if I just scroll through Instagram, I'm going to get some great inspiration and I'm going to be able to say all the things and make all the cool reels and stuff. And it's like, no, like the more you get away and you have that quiet time and that, that space, um, that is just you and God Mm -hmm. quiet, even if you're not talking to God, even if you're just sitting with him, it makes all the difference. So that's one thing. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm sure that scheduling and planning helps out very much. I am not good at it. Luckily, I married someone who is good at it. And so he helps me quite a bit. Listen, that's a tool but and strategy right there. Just marry somebody else who's got the marry skills. Marry someone who's got it. There you <laughs> go. Work, work it out. There and you I, go. Fun but fun. I would say that's leaning into somebody else who can support you with those skills you don't have. I would Absolutely. say. And the accountability, is- right? To be like, you said, you said mm-hmm. you were going to use this time for this. Are you using it? Um, yep. Even if he's like, you said you were going to nap and not scroll through your phone. Are you, yep. are you actually napping? Leave your phone downstairs. <laughs> Just all of that. It's, it very much helps. So even if it's not a spouse, it could be a yes. friend, a yeah. family member, a roommate, uh, whoever. A life coach. That's literally a the thing that I coach. do for some people. Please. I, yeah. Ask that the ac- questions and hold the accountability because yes. it's so needed that for people like piece. me. Yes. So I, I am very self-sabotaging when it comes to my own um, breathing space. Like I just, I'm like, but I can't, I can't, I'm an Enneagram three. I think we've talked about Enneagram. Yes. I don't remember. Yes. Okay. I'm a, I'm a two I know some people are like, not about that. Wrong three wing. And so. Okay. Yeah, I feel it. I'm fairly confident that I'm a three. I still go back and forth sometimes because um, threes kind of feel like they have to be like everybody. So sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm actually, I might actually be an eight. Oh, I might not. Well, actually, no, I'm definitely not an eight, but I might actually be a nine. I might actually be a four. I think I'm all the things, but, um, but I know that like with my, my work ethic, I just want to keep going. Like, I just want to keep, keep doing it, keep, keep making things happen. And um, I, I need, I need somebody uh, in my life to be able to help me create space. And I need, um, I, I, I need to, to see the signs and be able to stop and take yes. a step back and do what I need to do. So I appreciate that question a lot. <laughs> helping me to consider what do I need, especially in this chaotic season? Yes. And listen, if you need a little support, that's what I do. I'm here for that. I love it. I love it. <laughs> My children would say, I say like, that's one of my spiritual gifts. My kids are like being bossy. Is that your spiritual (laughs) gift? Being, I'm like, you know what? Sometimes people need to be told what's up. So sometimes people need to be told what to do. I'll take it. It just, it helps. It really does. Yes, it does. Okay. Well, we'll wind down two last questions and they're, well, this one's not as easy, but the last one's real easy. The second to last, I would love to know if there is a book or a podcast that you just love, recommend more than any other, other than your own, obviously, because we're definitely all getting that one now. Uh, but if there's <laughs> another book or another podcast that you would love to share, what would that be? I love the book uh, Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. That book helped my perspective with God so much and just relieved some of that pressure of me um, feeling like I had to please God or or contort myself in a certain way to make myself acceptable to God. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not who he is. It's interesting. He writes in the book about comfort theology. 
And I'm like, I need more of that in my life because I've seen a lot of the, I, I've, I've just interpreted a lot of the like, got to do this and got to do that. And you should feel bad about yourself and that kind mm-hmm. of theology. But I need more of the comfort theology. And I'm hoping that that's what my book does as well is it encourages people to see God as the compassionate, gracious God that he is. But um, that book definitely helped me out so much. Um, that's the number one off the top of my head right now. Right. I uh, I have not listened to a lot of podcasts recently because again, like I kind of need the quiet time. Yes. Um, so when well, I get it, I'm like, it's quiet, but I do read a lot. So that, yeah. that's one of the ones that I've really enjoyed. Yeah. I love that. I do. I love podcasts. And I mean, obviously I make one. I love to listen to a lot of others. I have a lot I could recommend, but I do think, you know, part of having that breathing room in your life, you can only have so much input at once mm-hmm. and really be able to process it at the same time. Right. So if you're needing quiet, lack of input, or if the only input you need is to review and reflect your own thoughts, you're in conversation with God, trying to listen, you cannot be listening to him and listening to this podcast or music mm-hmm. or whatever at the same time. And so it's not, I'm never going to be like, you should listen to all the podcasts. You should read all. I mean, obviously I love books. I love podcasts, but that need for being quiet, being still yeah. is crucial. One of my, one of my favorite things, somebody said this to me and now it's like my mantra that, you know, like Jesus Christ, the son of God who created all the things took time away and rested. He was alone. He went and prayed and was with only a group of small friends sometimes. Like if it's good Mm -hmm. enough for Jesus, it's good enough for you. It's good enough for me. Or if Jesus needed it, you definitely need it. (laughs) Right? How much more do we need it? Yeah. So I kind of go back to that as well. Like, okay, it's something we do need and (laughs) was modeled for us, right? So I love that. I'm going to make sure and grab a link for that book and we'll put that in the show notes too. So thank you for that. Um, Last thing, super easy. Where can people find you if they want to connect? I uh, have recently changed all of my social handles and my website to jenschultzauthor.com. So it's, I I know the spelling can be a little off for everybody. It's J-E-N-N-S-C-H-U-L-T-Z author, A-U-T-H-O-R. Mm-hmm. dot com or that's my handle just by itself. Um, yeah. I am constantly on Instagram and updating and threads. I'm I'm a big threads fan now. Um, less on Twitter now or whatever it's called. Um, yeah, so it, it's like an it's X not, or not something. It's X now, and I'm like, how do you X? Like, is that used to tweet? Now it's like, do you X? Is that is that the verb now? I, I don't, don't know. understand, but don't. I'm happy to thread. Thread is kind of where it's at for me. And Facebook, I'm also on Facebook. So yeah, I love I love interacting with people. If you want to send me a message or have any questions for me, uh, just let me know. Amazing. Thank you so much for taking time and coming on and talking through this with us today. I have been so blessed reading this and getting to know you more. Of course, we're going to have to do this again sometime because. Oh my gosh, please. This is fun. (laughs) It's just been a great conversation. Talking with you. Yes. (laughs) So, but I really appreciate you. I know you're launching this book into the world, which is a busy season. So I appreciate the time and energy in this conversation today. And I know many will be blessed by it. So thanks, Jen. Thank you. 
Thanks so much for listening today. Be sure to check the show notes to get links for all the resources mentioned in this episode. As always, your reviews make such a difference. So thank you for taking the time to leave those for us. Your ratings and thoughts mean so much. I love reading each and every one. As we wrap up today, please remember, life can feel crazy and overwhelming sometimes, but you will never regret taking the time to create some breathing room.